0: Hello, this is Comeback, this is Connor, and this is episode 118. My guest today is Tuacy Nguyen. Tuacy has a background in France, Vietnam, and Canada, and is one of the hosts of the Creators in Saigon podcast. We're going to talk today about his background, work, challenges faced, advice for people going through similar issues, the podcast Creators in Saigon itself, and aims for the future to welcome to Comeback. how are you today
1: I'm very good thanks for having me Connor
0: it's a pleasure yeah. I've been following creators for a while I mean I've, I've delved into quite a few of the episodes and so it's great to speak to one of the architects behind it
1: that's so nice yeah Dana is the big boss but like we've joined the team um, a little bit after with Nico yeah it's been a pleasure to uh, to be part of creators in Saigon yeah
0: Yeah, it's a wicked podcast. Do you mind telling me then, let's dive into ours, Um, your background, I believe it's France, Vietnam, Canada. Did you grow up in France? Yeah,
1: Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in France uh, from Vietnamese parents, and then I moved to Canada when I was 19 years old uh, to study English, and then I stayed for uh, 10 years. Then I went to Australia for a year, New Caledonia for another year, then came back to Canada for three years. And then I came to Vietnam in May 2019, and it's been two years that I'm in Vietnam.
0: Oh wow! What was life like growing up in France? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so there is the um, so I, I consider my life to be a little bit particular, especially my childhood. I don't I don't consider it like being very typical, but I think I've grew up, I grew up in a in a in a very um, I guess uh, immigrant family. My mom passed away when I was six years old. My dad was very strict. And um, so I was always the uh, the Asian kid trying to find himself uh, in a very, uh, you know, uh, Parisian lifestyle. So it was uh, it was quite different, I think. Mm. It took me a while to understand how different it was.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. And then Canada. How how different is Canada from France? I can imagine it's quite a contrast.
1: So in, in my perspective, so I, I never grew up thinking that I was France, a French because, uh, you know, like French people are quite, uh, are quite good at reminding you that you're not very French. <laughs> They're always like, hey, <laughs> your, friend, your, your name is not really French, too easy. What is this? And then they try to guess and mostly Chinese, you know, and, and so when I came to Canada, it was this, um, this kind of like culture shock for me, but like very much like identity crisis where people started to recognize me more as a French person in culture. Even though I still had this Asian appearance, and then Canada had a lot more uh, diverse Asian immigration, so I kind of like started to uh, to dwell deeper into my roots as an Asian Vietnamese person at that time, and uh, and then yeah, so I I considered like you know the the first part of my life from like you know zero to nineteen uh, very. very very unusual and i started really living uh when i left uh because i lived alone in canada i kind of ran away from my father and i was just by myself so i kind of like built myself up from there at 19 years old but it was a lot of uh pretense and insecurities in general to answer your question though canada toronto is beautiful it's a nice it's a nice city nice tree to live in
0: yeah absolutely and, and in, uh, uh, yeah what were you it's doing to canada- speak english now we <laughs> Were you studying and working in Canada? What, what sort of stuff were you So
1: doing? I was in um, Canada. So at the beginning, I, I came to Canada to study English. So I was at an ESL school. Then I, I liked the freedom and, and uh, you know, being far away from my family. So I decided to stay and I went to university to study um, actually photography. Not sure why I studied photography to this day because I kind of like gave up on it after four years. And then I started working for a tour company, which I worked for the most of my 20s um, and the, the beginning of my 30s. It was called ISX Canada, and I, was, I, I went through the rank with it, and I ended up managing it um, back in 2016. Okay. But that, that's, uh, that's what I did in, uh, in Canada, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think now it's probably time to move to the, now we covered the background, the challenges faced aspect of the podcast. Okay. Often on comeback, we talk about uh, challenges we face. This can range from a variety of topics. Mm-hmm. So throughout your life and career so far, um, what kind of challenges have you faced along this journey? You mentioned that your childhood was slightly unusual. What sort of yeah obstacles did you face? Um,
1: growing up, well, so I I said that already. But my mom passed away when I was six years old, and I didn't. I wasn't given the proper structure to. To express, I think some of my childhood traumas. My dad, being a very, you know, typical immigrant uh, Vietnamese father, um, put everything on the uh, on the physical aspects of things, and I, I needed to be uh, good at school and all those things. He was very controlling and very highly demanding, high expectations. So I was really never enough for him, so I grew up with with a lot of like you know fear of abandonment that I couldn't even. Uh, I didn't realize that i had those fear of abandonment until well into my late 20s after so many failed relationships where i was like why am i being so triggered about like you know people leaving me and and all of this and it it sounds so logical when like you know when you hear you know someone's has lost his mom like at six years old but like if you're not giving the proper structure then it becomes this burden emotional burden that you you're incapable of like expressing and then uh, with the you know my dad doing a trick on me a little bit. I love my dad, but I had so much resentment to my dad and my mom growing up, and and I didn't, I didn't have any way to channel that resentment or even the rage or, even some of the regrets that I had in life, and so I think that accumulated made my little inner child very traumatized, and so most of my twenties when I came to Canada and I, I had a little bit of freedom. I think I uh, I spent most of my twenties trying to. Uh, to live my childhood again. Um, but uh, I never really uh, tried to fix, I guess, or express myself or understand those, those deep layers of emotions. And so when the stress of, you know, relationship work and all the responsibility came coming, the pattern is in my life was like that. I was always trying to find escapism and you know, if it wasn't I, would, I when I was a kid and the only thing that I had, ca- that I had access to was sugar, food. Then it became quickly alcohol, sex, uh, porn, uh, like very addictive behaviors. Um, and then the on top to top it all off, I think uh, I had this huge blowout in 2017, where I started doing crystal meth uh, because, like you know, I had so much responsibility at work. Um, at that time, the relationship that I was in was totally blowing out and failing. And so I picked up that at, uh, someone offered the, this to me at a party and uh, I, I, I took it and then it was like, oh, I guess that's the answer to all my problems. Um, I don't need to express it anymore. I, I, I just need to turn it off with this drug. And so the uh, crystal meth addiction started in 2017 and stopped uh, when I came to Vietnam. So in May, 2019, it wasn't as easy. It, it took a, it took a few relapse and, uh, and a lot of like, you know, And a whole, a whole lifestyle change. So, that's some of the challenges that I faced. I think mm-hmm. the drug addict was the biggest. Addiction. It was quite, uh, quite intense.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Do you mind telling me then, uh, how bad did it get? As in, was crystal meth a daily, a daily fix, or was it only when stressed? Um, if you don't mind me asking, what sort of? Yeah, what was the? I'm um, just trying to say. How did you know it was becoming problematic?
1: Um, <clears throat> so uh, at the beginning, when I when I tried it, like meth was very very much tied up to my, I think I had a I had a mild sex addiction too, and uh, and so both of them were quite tied up together, and so at the beginning I was just doing it like you know on, on the weekends, and then when my relationship uh, kind of like blew uh, and and the work became very stressful, I started doing it daily, and then I think at the peak of it uh, in mid mid two thousand eighteen, I was doing it every day. In really, 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 really high quantities. Uh, so I think I was spending probably like a thousand dollars, more than a thousand dollars sometimes per every two weeks, um, and uh, and uh, I was smoking it. So like you know, I never, I never injected or anything like this. But it it, uh, it took it took a proportion that like where I was like you know a, w- that's how they call it like a high functioning adult. And the only way out that I found at some point was in, uh, I think, June two thousand eighteen. So one year in, after doing it almost every day, I, uh, I decided to tell everybody uh, that cared about me or that I thought I thought cared about me. So my work, uh, my my you know personal circle that I was actually going through this and I was addicted to crystal meth. So the moment that I kind of like expressed that, it was like me you know like stepping out of this fear of being rejected this fear of being abandoned and like showing myself naked in front of everybody and and to be able to express all those problems and those those deep-rooted uh, you know issues that I had and this addiction which is you know socially it's, it's socially very uh, it's not uh, it's not the, the best like you know if you say that you're addicted to Adderall or, or if you're addicted to crystal meth it, both of them are very different you know mm. so and one of them is less accepted so I guess when i when i when i said that in uh, back in june 2018 i only gave, like so it gave me only two two kind of direction whether i was continuing this lifestyle uh and i was uh, i would end up being like you know the poster boy with probably a needle in his hand and like you know with i would just die i think and uh, or i would just like you know now that i own up to my problems then take responsibility over my life and really find the reason why I was, you know, going into this this destructive destructive, uh, behavior. So I chose option number two, and I really dwell a lot into like, you know, all the uh, self-development addiction problems. I read a beautiful book from a Russell Brand actually called uh, called, uh, Recovery, which really helped me and introduced the the 12-step programs in a way that was more digestible and, and so if I if I go a little bit into the recovery process, I I was always uh, because I I have met a lot of addicted people through uh, through the, the the three years and a lot of them went into rehab, which I you know in my that's my personal opinion, I always refuse to go to because I've seen so many of um, my acquaintance at that time going into those rehabs and coming out just being pumped with pills, and then suddenly they wouldn't have those pills anymore and they would just go into breakdowns and It wasn't helping their mental health nor it was like trying to solve any of the lingering issues that they had emotionally
0: i see and then i am going to ask you about the recovery period i.e what you learned about yourself throughout that but firstly once you'd opened up to your family your work and the people who cared about you what was their reaction was it a huge shock how did they react to this news
1: so there is, um, you know, like they, we, we always say, like the, you, you can, you're, you're supposed to count your friends just on your, the, your, like your fingers. I think that's how they say it. Uh, there, was, there was a few very good friends that, um, that, you know, they reacted in a way that, that uh, I guess that's what my inner kids was, was expecting, which was like, we don't understand your problem, but we will be here to support it throughout the whole process. Because and that's what I wanted to. That's I guess that's what I wanted to hear. And just a few of them, like you know, offered that help. Some people gave like the you know the the socially uh, acceptable answer, which was like, "How can you do this to yourself? Just say no, stop it, you know." And then they would not care more than this, you know. So they it was more like to unguilt themselves from the whole situation. And some of them were just non-present. And I and that's what I realized too. Like you know, like there was a big work of compassion self compassion and compassion in general that i needed to do and some people like you know were so lost in their own problems that they couldn't re- even relate to what was a crystal meth addiction you know if i if i had told them that i had alcoholism maybe they they would have related a little bit more but here it was like i think it was so uh you know like they would look at me and they would like hey crystal meth wow that's so weird and then they would just like not say anything really which yeah. i didn't expect anything
0: yeah and um, then once you've gone yeah, yeah. through this journey of um, recovery, I suppose, what did you learn about yourself? Did you uncover um, perhaps um, pain from your inner child that needed treatment and you'd maybe used meth to escape? What did you learn about yourself throughout this recovery period? Hi, uh,
1: so I learned I learned a lot about like so I learned a lot about self-care and I think I learned a lot about you know like um so the uh, what I well I like the the one very lesson that I have uh, and I think I talk about it in, on my episode of the podcast podcast for creators in Saigon is uh, discovering my own method of self-love because I had no capacity of of loving myself uh, growing up and uh, for me it came uh, it came with Understanding self-forgiveness, because uh, before, you know, with the high expectation from my father, with my fear of abandonments, I would always beat myself up on, uh, and, and try trying to seek validation, trying to be, you know, the best not for myself but for, uh, you know, the validation of others. So when I was do- making mistakes, I didn't have any proper system in my head or emotionally to forgive myself, and thus to show to myself that you know I I could love myself. Um, the big part of the recovery, I think, was to dwell deeper and to express and understand a whole negative spectrum of my emotions. So I realized that you know, like I call them the three R's now. Which I I don't know where it's picking up. So it just said recording in progress. Again. Yeah, it's <laughs> so,
0: cool. It's continuing to record. So yeah, carry on.
1: So. So the, I, call, I call it the three R's for me, where like, you know, I, I needed to delve into the emotions or the, the feelings of resentment, regrets and rage throughout my childhood. And that was for me, that, that process of like, okay, where, where in my childhood uh, did I feel rage, resentment or regrets? And in each of those moments, I'm gonna go in and forgive myself for having those emotions, for having those thoughts, for having this pattern. And so it took a a little while, but every time I did that, you know, little cycle and every time I, I, you know, I I went through that and I'm still going through this in my, in my thirties, I'm 36 right now. Then every time, you know, like the, um, I guess the, uh, the desire for escapism through drugs or through any other means really uh, dissipates a little bit because it's like, you know, it's very self-compassionate and it's, uh, you know, I'm I'm i I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big uh, uh, proponent of, uh, of, compassion where it's like you know really listening to someone's story and emotions up until the very end and his last words that's true compassion for me and like and it's something that I didn't know how to do with myself at all so I had like from six years old to like you know 30 I started crystal meth when 2017 so I was like 33 I think when I started or 32 and so I had many years to catch up on that and many, many mistakes and many bad emotions and many traumas that I, I I hid under the carpet.
0: One of the things you mentioned, which appeals to me is the three R's, resentment, regrets, rage, which I think can be attributed to a lot of us with our childhood trauma. This might be slightly tricky, mm-hmm. but out of the three, which was the most difficult to confront? So I,
1: um, and and that's that's a very interesting question because the 3 Rs for it it uh, i only uh, started working on those 3 Rs probably just about 6 months ago before this i it was I, I was working on hatred i was working on different words that that people were giving me to express because you know like emotions are is this cocktail of of things that you know you one word can really express so it's, and it's something that you really have to work on so, at the beginning, I thought what I had from my mom was hatred, hatred for leaving me, and I worked on this for the past couple of years, and it was really good and then, when someone gave me the three r's, I was like, "Oh, resentment is such a better word. it wasn't hatred nor rage, it was resentment so what i what i what I'm working on right now is more so i think it's to answer your question resentment is something that i I really really uh it's something that really impacted my, my childhood. I don't think I had much rage because I'm, I'm a very empathic person, um, but I think I had a lot of resentment towards a lot of people.
0: Mm. Okay. Because and, I
1: couldn't take it easily.
0: <laughs> Yeah. And having gone through these challenges then, Twayze, with um, mental health and addiction, what techniques do you use nowadays to stay focused and stay on top of your game? How do you deal with it?
1: Um, so it's gonna, it's gonna sound like, um, very general, but you know, the, uh, the whole practice of self-care is what I, 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 use on a daily basis right now. I was, I was really against routines, uh, discipline before this, because obviously, uh, this is like the patterns of addiction. Uh, but right now, like, you know, I, I, I journal every day. Uh, I, I have like a habit tracker i actually am a coach right now and i coach something called the life operating system so it's this comprehensive system that includes all of the components that i think um, allows you to have a self-care discipline in your life so i have really uh, really strict not strict but like very regular morning routines that i do every day with meditation breath work um, exercise i drink a lot of water (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then I journal a lot Uh, so I journal in the morning I journal in the evening and then I try to keep my communication as uh, as open as possible so what I what one of the rules that I gave myself that really helped me is that I I'm allowed um, I'm allowed to say to think and to ask for anything that I that I that I think I want or need but then I'm also responsible for the emotions that I create into other people and into myself. So to take that act of responsibility really allowed me to be like, OK, well, you know, if I if I intend to do something and I don't get the uh, the results that I want, then I'll go to people and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this not this, like, you know, I wronged you. It, it wasn't my intention. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to take responsibility from the emotions that you're feeling. How can I, you know, help or what can I do for. Us to have a communication in you understanding that it wasn't my intention and we can you know move things along Mm -hmm. so i i I try to apply those rules on a daily basis
0: yeah i love that um quote about taking responsibility
1: meditation
0: Uh, of course i think that yeah with um taking responsibility it can be so easy to blame somebody else or blame your external environment or blame any sorts of factors without but then you're giving away control whilst with full responsibility comes full control. And once I realized that I thought this is a game changer. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. One of the bigger responsibility that we have is, is to, to, you know, to, to choose uh, happiness on a daily basis, like, you know, and then for me to know, to understand that, like, you know, that I wasn't tying up my happiness in anything external anymore, it made things a lot more, um, uh, it it made choosing happiness or it made choosing uh, making someone happy on a daily basis much easier for me. So that's actually one of my, you know, big goal like in life is to be able to make myself happy or someone else's happy on a daily basis. Okay. And we are
0: going to talk about the podcast next. um, So AC, but before that you mentioned your coaching. Um, I usually like to talk to the guest about the work they're currently up to. Do you mind telling me a bit more about your coaching program?
1: So yeah, thanks. Uh, my coaching program. Uh, so I coach young professionals, I say, but I, I coach everybody that that wants coaching <laughs> um, into what I call the uh, the life operating system through Notion. So Notion is an app that I've been using uh, extensively for the past three years, and with it, you can, you know, uh, implement life systems or systems in general, where you can, like, you know, have a habit tracking, journaling, task management, uh, weekly reviews vision goals uh vision boards Sorry, with goals and values and so everything the whole shebang a whole comprehensive system that allows you to ha- to find clarity rhythm and uh and for people with addictive uh behavior like me to to find that nice rhythm you know like i think a lot of people are so uh so like how do you call this they, people can't catch a, a brother anymore in our society where things are. You know, society is this machine that, like, you know, if you trip, it's not, it's not sure that society will wait for you, you know. And so we have to get that rhythm. You have to get, you know, this uh, this clarity in your life to allow, like, you know, self-care to be at the center of it. So that's why I have this system now that really doesn't make, like, you know, work, success, money the, uh, the, the most important. But it make, you know, our own self-care, our own stability and our own, you know, mental health the center of us generating wealth and so that's what i coach
0: sounds great and then the podcast creators in saigon um i interviewed dana Mm -hmm. recently and i've spoken to her about the process how did you get involved with creators in saigon
1: so I am, so this whole year, so I've been back in, I've I've been fully back into action, like work action uh, for the past, since May 2020, before that, I consider all of it my recovery period, my rehab period, I guess. And so when I I got back into working uh, mood, I guess, I was looking at what I could do. I was starting this coaching career and this consulting career. And everybody was telling me, hey, you should do like personal branding, you should get yourself out there, you should like do it like Gary Vee, content crush, marketing, 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 marketing. And for me, I was like, I can't put my face out there. I like I I'm so vulnerable still. I mean, I'm I'm so sensitive still. And if I'm about to like, you know, market myself, put my name out there, like being the crystal meth guy and like the the guru of addiction, I'll just don't break down and relapse. So I, I needed really to be very compassionate with myself, put those vul- vulnerability on the on really at the forefront and and be courageous about this. So I was like, okay, what can I do that still will put my voice out there, still uh, will allow me to create content and connect with people. And so at that time, I created a, a small get together. It was a meetup on Saturday morning called "Becoming Extraordinary." Um, and, uh, and Dana joined. And so we became, uh, she, we connected that way. And then she was telling me how, like, you know, she had a podcast going. And at that time, I really wanted to, uh, to, to create a podcast because I was like, okay, video is not so for me because I, don't, I, I love myself, but I still don't love my face that much for me to be like this guy on a video. And then, uh, and then every other type of content, uh, like you know, copywriting and all those things, it wasn't so much for me. And I was like, okay, well, I really want to do a podcast. Can you can you help me with this? And I think she helped you uh, creating that podcast too of yours. So she 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 helped me, and uh, she was like, well, creators in Saigon is also there. And I was like, oh, how about it? we join the team then? Because everything is already set, and we're friends, and I think it's gonna be fun. And we we were aligning on the how we wanted to talk about mental health, self-care, you know, like plant-based diet and all the, all the things, uh, you know, about work-life balance. So uh, we joined in sep- with Nico, we joined in September uh, 2020, and it's been a fun ride since then. I really yeah. enjoy, you know, like being able to connect with people and, and, and talk and not have my face everywhere
0: absolutely what's what's your favorite thing about having a podcast i understand that's a tough question because whenever i get asked i find it quite tricky but i'm going to pose it to you what's your favorite thing about you know careers in saigon
1: uh, my favorite thing is um, um so like you know being able to interview people i because I'm, I'm a big again like uh, i love compassion it's it's been at the center of my life for the past two three years the word the actual word compassion and so to be able to interview someone and to be able to extract or listen to to their to their own experience, to the to their display of emotions and 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 how they've managed to like you know bring work life balance, have they managed to you know work on their mistakes and all those all those stories that I've that I'm that I'm listening from them that I that I'm helping extract with the, with the guest is obviously like. I, I'm, and I, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like it's so exhilarating. It's so like, I feel so good every time I do an episode. And actually every time I finish an interview, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have spoke to this person for another two hours, you know, cause like we're buddies and like, it's, it's so fun. And then also seeing the dynamic every time I, you know, interview with Nico or every time I interview with Dana to see the dynamic that we're building and like understanding where we want to bring the questions next and where, what we want to talk about next is quite, it's quite fun. Yeah I love, I love communicating that way.
0: Absolutely. I mean I've never had a co-host yet. Um have you ever done solo where you're the solo interviewer and would you in the future or are you happy being a co-host for the foreseeable? So I'm I'm actually
1: in the, uh, in the process of creating uh, another podcast right now, where I would be like, you know, my own host, maybe answering people's questions. Cause I think that's a dynamic that we don't have at Creators on. it's still us interviewing others, but I, I wanna have also a platform where I can speak about certain topics. I know some people have questions about, you know, drug addiction, recovery, or anything that's related to the things that I might be coaching. So yeah, definitely being a solo uh, host of uh, my own podcast would be nice. I'm also thinking about doing one with my girlfriend in, uh, in Vietnamese, more, more centered about relationship and, and, uh, and, and things. But yeah, definitely podcast is a good medium for me.
0: Sounds, sounds amazing. And then Vietnam, you mentioned you've been here yeah. since um, 2019. Obviously right now it's yeah. you know a bit, how do we say it? It's a little bleak with the whole Corona situation. But as a rule, how have you found life living in Vietnam and particularly Saigon?
1: I found it, um, I found it exciting. I, I, I liked it. Uh, and then and so it's, it's funny because um, since my, my background is Vietnamese, I, I came to Vietnam throughout my childhood. And I came you know, in the rest of the memories in my adult life, I came three times in 2013, 2014 and 2017 and each time. I, I kind of ran away because it was like too dangerous, especially for someone with an addictive behavior like mine. Uh, I was like, I'm going to fall into like, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, girls and all that on the all the all the things that my ego wanted at that time. But there was something in the back of my head that kept on saying, you know, Vietnam is actually one of the best, uh, the best part in the world to be able to implement a cheap and healthy lifestyle. And so when the when the occasion presented itself uh, in May 2019, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna jump on it. I just need this time to have a structure, to not, you know, fall back. And I was already in the in the addiction at that time, so I came with a plan, with with a really, really, really good plan. And it still uh, wasn't enough. I relapsed for a few months, but then I I managed to put it in action. And so for me, Vietnam has been just very good for me and uh if you come with a plan if you come with the with your mind straight uh vietnam allows you to create and do uh many 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 things off you have to you know respect the environment that you're in you have to respect the the local community i love vietnam i'm actually thinking about moving to the beach <laughs> if i oh. could in Danang.
0: Oh, oh Da Nang. Yeah, Da Nang's probably my favourite holiday spot here for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah. So then...
1: Okay. it's It's been hard with the visa situation. Visa situation is being pretty tricky these days, but like, I have a five-year uh, exemption visa, so we'll see what happens in the next few months. Absolutely. We're going to um,
0: we're gonna almost wrap it up here, uh, Toicy. Um, A couple of final questions. Firstly, if there was anybody going through similar issues to what you have, whether this be related to mental health or addiction or crystal meth, what advice would you give to them in overcoming these challenges based on your experience so far?
1: So it's um ooh, it's a it's a tricky question because I don't want to uh, because there is no when it comes to drug addiction uh, when it comes to uh, to mental health issues I do not think that there is one solution that fits all um, I think there is there is a need for everybody to look into uh, the proper support system and uh, the structure of a support system varies from each individual uh, there is definitely some uh, some structure that are already here uh, like the 12-step programs or like you know um, the 12-step program and and there is many online resources uh, for those things there is I, I would you know like uh, when it comes to addiction there is um, it's it's unfortunate but I feel like uh, most addict would uh, would agree to this is if you haven't hit your rock bottom it's really hard to to be helped so you know like for most addict out there I you know, uh, I, I would guess like you know, uh, try as much as you can to to have self compassion, be tender to yourself. Understand like you know, there is a there is an inner kid in everyone that is that is traumatized, and you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. You know, if your trauma is something, you know, that you think is benign, it's still your trauma, and it's still worth to talk about it. Uh, so proper communication to the right people is what I would like, you know, um, really, really, really uh, advice. I, there was a beautiful article that says that uh, the uh, the opposite to uh, addiction is not recovery, but it's actual human connections. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I think that's, that's really, really true, to be able to bring back the right connection, and especially to yourself. So the proper self-connection is, you know, self-care, self-love, and it sounds very basic, but it's, it's, it's such a hard, hard, hard step in, for some people, especially people like me.
0: Okay, and coming to the end of the conversation to AZ, the question I always ask the guest to finish, and we have touched upon this, what are the aims for the near future? What would you like to achieve going forward?
1: So I would, um, I I think I'm I'm on a good, uh, I'm I'm you know developing my my coaching, being able to, to like you know uh, talk, help, uh, support, advice, guide uh, more people that that feels that they they, they need that that type of support. Um, I'm consulting companies too, so I, I I love to consult like you know solopreneurs, entrepreneurs in developing their own business, um, and then. Uh, and then uh, just uh, just to be able to, you well, know, ideally, ideally is I wanna I wanna I wanna produce enough wealth so I don't have to worry about wealth, so I can help people, I can talk to people, I can engage with people, connect with people. So that's my that's my, my vision for the next few years.
0: Excellent. Well, um, Tuasi, can I say mm-hmm. thank you very much for appearing today and congratulations on the work you've done so far both in your coaching and your podcast uh, and in coming back from the challenges that you faced. I think you've done an admirable job and yeah, uh, continue with the good work and very best wishes moving forward.
1: Thanks Connor. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure.
0: Awesome. Take care to You
1: too, man.